Yeah, I also just want to add my thanks. Um, it's hard to ever know where to start and stop with that, but um, uh, it's just amazing for us to be sent out by uh, Believer's Church and the Tulsa Boiler Room and to be able to come back and just share with you. Uh, it is such an amazing treat for us. Um, I know that a lot, of, a lot of people in this room have been to Uganda over the years. If you've been to Uganda, I would love to see your hand. Wow, there's some people who were there a long time ago. Scott? Wow. Um, and it's just, it, it fills me with kind of wonder that we've been part of this community for so long and that you have kind of adopted our journey into following Jesus in Uganda. And we're just so grateful for it. And it, it means a lot. We appreciate your giving. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate being able to come back and just get hugs and, and feel embraced by you. And we're so, so, so grateful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, thank you for, for praying for us. We ask you, like Jill said, to continue to do that. <clears throat> our, our vision, our, our ambition in Uganda is to help to catalyze disciple-making movements through mobilizing and equipping people in prayer and in making disciples. And I find it um, ridiculously ironic that I spend my time trying to mobilize and equip people in prayer and sharing the gospel when those are the two things that when I was 18 and 20 and 22 and maybe older most convinced me that I probably wasn't saved because how could someone who is saved be so bad at two such essential things as praying and sharing the gospel? And so I would literally talk myself into thinking that I wasn't saved probably because, because I just sucked so bad. <laughs> and uh, I had assurances that when you came to Jesus, there were certain things that he would work in you and that those two hi highlighting the list. And um, it was a source of agony and, and question confusion for me. So it's, it's very ironic that I spend time doing that now. And all I can say is that every day, I'm reminded that I need Jesus desperately uh, because it's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Lord Jesus, uh, I'm praying for your help today. I'm praying that you would stir something inside of us, um, that, you would, that you would reveal yourself, that you would help, that your Holy Spirit would be active in our hearts and that our hearts would be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to read today in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And I'm not actually going to focus on this part of the passage, but I wanted to give context. Following this teaching on the content of prayer, Jesus gives three pictures of the heart of prayer and what it means to pray. And the first one um, is this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. 
I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Because of your shameless audacity, he will get up and give you as much as you need. Um, And I'm just going to make a few observations about prayer that are are pretty simple. But um, if you'll bear with me, uh, I believe this is what what Jesus is saying to us. The first first thing is simply that prayer is asking. And um, you might think, well, that's a little bit basic. Uh, But... um, but it's true nonetheless, and it's good for us to, to kind of have that in mind. Pete Gregg said that prayer means many things to many people, but at its simplest and most obvious, it means asking God for help. This is how most non-churchgoers and all children understand the word, and they are right. Um, Jesus urges us to ask him for things over and over and over. I'm just going to give a few examples here. Um, Jesus says that he rewards prayer that is done in secret. Uh, In Matthew 21, um, when talking about the fig tree, he says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. He told him the harvest is plentiful, so pray for workers to go into the harvest. Um, In Luke 18, he tells them a story, and he says specifically that it's so that you'll keep praying and you won't give up. Um, In John 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Jesus wants us to ask him for stuff. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. He's urging us. He says, up till now, you haven't been asking, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask. He doesn't say here, up till now, You haven't climbed up on my lap and gotten a daddy got hug. But I want you to do that. No, he said, I want you to ask. I want you to ask. That there is something of the essence of prayer that is us asking our Father. And he says that this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have whatever we ask of him. So over and over again, uh, there are many different ways to pray and, and, and parts of our prayer. But I just don't want us to lose the, the essence or one of the most essential things about prayer is that we are asking for God things because we need help. And we do it because he's, he's over and over and over urging us, please ask me for stuff. We also do it, I think, because it is in our nature. It, it is befitting of us. Like, we, we think that maybe we, we, we're going to grow to a place where... Um, you know, where we're more mature and more able, and so we don't need to, you know, to ask God for stuff. We don't need to keep bothering him about things. But it's, 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 part, it's, in, it's in how we are created. It's in the fabric of our being to be dependent upon God. And at least in this life, uh, asking him is, is part of the, the, the essence of that relationship that we have with him. And I don't know, maybe it's even going to be in the next life. I think, I, I don't know that even in the next life we're going to be free from the need to ask God for, for help because it is just part of who we are. It's who he created us to be, to be dependent. And how we express that dependency is by asking him for the things that, that we need. Um, here's another quote. It is 
the fact that a man comes before God or a woman with his petition, which, which makes him a praying man. It is the fact that he comes with his petition that makes him a praying man. Other theories of prayer may be richly and profoundly thought out and may sound very well, but they all suffer from a certain artificiality because they miss this simple and concrete fact. Losing themselves in heights and depths where there is no place for the man who really prays who is simply making a request. God wants us to ask him for stuff. So that's, the, that's kind of the, the basic. Uh, but then this, this parable that we just read, um, in the NIV it says, because of your shameless audacity in asking in, I like the King James that says, because of your importunity. I'm not even sure I know what that word means, but I like that word. Um, some translations say because of your impudence. Others say because of your perseverance, uh, things like that. And somehow Jesus is telling us um, that he, this is a picture of how he wants us to pray. And the thing that makes this prayer audacious is not the size of what he's asking for. I mean, three loaves of bread seems fairly moderate as far as a prayer request. But what makes it audacious, what makes it importunity, is that he just keeps asking. Like he won't take no for an answer. He's there knocking and knocking. And the guy inside says to you, no, I'm not going to give it. But the one knocking just keeps on knocking. And he doesn't stop, even though the answer has come to him, no. He will not take no for an answer. And Jesus is saying, that's how that's how I want you to pray. You ask me to teach you how to pray. Pray by not taking no for an answer. And I, that, that raises all kinds of confusion in us. Because doesn't God know better than me? You know, um, certainly there are times when Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. But what strikes me in this story is that this person who, who he says you, so like we're, we're the person who, who received the, the, the guest and now we're going to get help from our neighbor. Like, we, we are convinced, we are utterly convinced of the rightness of our cause in that moment. When he's knocking on the door, it is, it is more right for him to continue knocking on that door than it is for him to go away disappointed and not be able to bring bread back to his friend that's come. So there is a, there is a, there's a confidence that Jesus says that we can have in prayer that causes us to be defiant and to not take no for an answer. I think of the, the woman um, that, remember, that came to Jesus and um, was like, my, my, my daughter is, is demonized. Can you deliver her? And Jesus says, um, I can't take the food, you know, the, what is it, the food from the children's food and throw it to the dogs, and, which I'm not going to try to explain. But... Um, but Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he told her, for such a reply, you may go. Like he said no to her in no uncertain terms in rudely. And yet she didn't take that for an answer. And he says, that's what I wanted. Because you replied like that, then you're going to get what you asked for. I think of, of Jacob wrestling with the, the being that later he identified as God himself. And he says, as daybreak is coming, I will not let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go. 
that there is a wrestling, there's a defiance, there is an importunity. Think of the blind man as Jesus is walking towards Jericho and he starts crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone tells him to shut up, to be quiet. And, and the scripture says he cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. These are the, these are the pictures of prayer that, that God gives to us that this is how he wants us to pray. And I don't, there's, there's a lot of it that I don't understand. Like, why, why, why would we have to pray like this? I don't know. Uh, and he doesn't give explanations here, but he does say this is prayer. This prayer is importunity. Prayer, prayer is shameless audacity. Here's another quote from an early 1900s theologian. Lose the habit of wrestling and the hope of prevailing with God. Make it mere walking with God in friendly talk. And precious as that is, yet you tend to lose the reality of prayer at last. In principle, you make it mere conversation instead of the soul's great action. The soul's great action is crying out to God, crying out to him, not taking no for an answer. What would it be like to approach God like that? Like, can you start to imagine your prayer life being like that? And maybe it feels uncomfortable as it should because it wouldn't be impudent otherwise. But yet there is kind of that assurance that, but it's Jesus who told me to pray like this. What could you pray for with that kind of confidence of, of the man coming and not, not stopping, just knocking, knocking? No, leave me alone. What can you pray for with just the assurance that this is right and actually God wants me to keep doing this because he wants to give me the thing that I'm wrestling with him about? Okay, so that's the first picture. Importunity. Coming at mid- the friend coming at midnight. Then he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be open. And um, we respond to verses like this in different ways, I know. And I know that there's all kinds of complexities and there's things that are confusing. And there are many of us here who wrestle with things that you prayed for that you were convinced were the will of God. And yet, this, this scripture doesn't seem to be so. It doesn't seem to be that you found, that you received, that the door was open. So I'm, I, I, I'm recognizing that there are uh, complex things and there's things that we don't understand. Um, but if it's okay this morning, I'm not, uh, my ambition isn't to gain a greater understanding um, about some of these mysteries. Not that that is a bad pursuit, but this morning, what I'm after in my own life is greater obedience to Jesus in prayer. And I'm at, after greater trust in him. I'm after more fruitfulness in prayer. That's, that's what I'm after. And I think that's what Jesus is leading us to in these scriptures. And so he makes this, this claim, ask and it will be given to you. Like this promise. Ask me and I will do it. Seek and you will find it. And obviously we know that, that these, these words, ask, seek, and knock, or there's a continuous action. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He's, he's not necessarily saying this is a one-time thing either. So that, you know, that perseverance that we saw in the first picture is still there. But now he adds to it a guarantee that it will happen. I will do it. 
I will do it. And again, we, you know, we kind of put hedges around scriptures like this sometimes because they, they blow our mind a bit and, and we have experiences and we have, you know, maybe we, 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 we struggle with the, 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 the greed and the pride of the name it and claim it and prosperity and all this. And so we just, we see scriptures like this and say, oh, it's not that and it's not that. And we just kind of put a guard around it so that it's a little bit safe. But, but Jesus is calling us into this and he says, I'm telling you, I want you to keep on asking and seeking and knocking because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Like this is the promise that Jesus is giving to us. And he wants us to take it that our prayer life not be defined simply by past disappointments, that it not be defined by bad theology that we're trying to avoid, but that, that it is defined again by a greater trust in him, a greater obedience to him, more, more fruitfulness in, in our prayer. So prayer is asking. Asking with importunity, and and we have to accept and deal and and rejoice in this promise, like it will be given. Jesus is wanting to give us hope here. He's wanting to give us assurance. He's wanting to say, "Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it." Like I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm doing something. And that leads us to the third picture. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love this because it seems to kind of bring intention some of the things that I said earlier. Uh, first of all, you know, there's this knocking at, at midnight and there's this importunity, like not taking no for an answer. And that is prayer. But prayer is also a child asking his father. Prayer, you know, is, is wrestling with God, but it's not, it's not grabbing something from an unwilling deity. It is, it is a child coming to his father with the confidence that his father delights to give him good things. So both of those things are true. The, the friend at midnight and the shameless audacity is true, but also the child sitting on his father's lap and saying, I need this. Will you do this for me? And knowing, again, that it's not a, he's not, he doesn't give out of compulsion. He doesn't give because you twist his arm. He doesn't give because he's just fed up with you. And he's trying to, he gives because he delights to give good things to his children. And that also is prayer. That confidence that we have a father who loves us. And he responds to us. And he eagerly, eagerly hears us and receives us when we pray. Amen? So prayer is asking, importunity, it will be given. The Father delights to give you what you ask. He delights to. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons that uh, we can't, you know, again, prayer is asking you know, God isn't depleted every time he gives us something. It's not like, oh, I've asked him so much this week. Now I need to, you know, he, 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 I need to give him a little bit of time to, to re-energize, to whatever. 
no, it's not like that at all. We, I'm that way. So like if you come, come to me day after day and ask me for stuff, I don't have the capacity to, you know, keep giving, to keep, keep giving stuff. And if I did, I would get annoyed with you by asking me every day. But God is better than me. And he's bigger than me. And he's stronger than me. And so he, he is not in the least bit put out or exhausted by giving us the things that we ask for. In fact, it is his delight. It is his delight. And also prayer is relationship. So prayer is asking, but prayer is also relationship. Um, prayer is, is knocking on that door and not giving up, but it is a child coming to his father. Um, it is insisting on this thing because it is right, but it is walking in relationship with the one that we're asking and, and coming to know him and to trust his goodness and his delight in us. It's all of those things. And um, I cannot, you know, the, the, the work of prayer does not um, deplete the relational aspect of prayer. And the relationship of prayer is not contrary to the asking of prayer. They're, they're the same. Like Jesus doesn't have, I don't think, different categories. We're the ones who compartmentalize things. I am, I am becoming more intimate with God as I join with him in his work of praying for things into existence that he wants to be. Like that is not me not being relational with him. I'm actually growing to know him more. I'm growing in my intimacy with him as I'm doing the work of prayer. But as I'm, I'm praying for him and I'm, or I'm getting to know him, and, and he's becoming more real to me, and I'm experiencing that intimacy with him, and I am having those just amazing experiences of intimacy with God where it's just adoration and worship, and I'm enjoying who he is, and he's enjoying me. In those times also, those are not like, oh, now asking is going to mess that up. Like, I'm receiving from him his heart. Like, in that moment of greatest intimacy with God and greatest encounter with God, I'm coming to know him more and to love him more. And I cannot know Jesus more and love Jesus more without it touching how I see the world around me, without it, it stirring compassion in my soul, without it making me want to join with him in his great work of redemption. So intimacy and asking and work and, and intercession, all of these things I, I think are, are one. And God is calling us into that, into that. But then the, the last part, the last little um, phrase here. Wait a minute. I was going to give you this one other quote first. This is Ian Bounds. He says, the ministry of prayer, if it be anything worthy of the name, is a ministry of ardor, a ministry of unwearied and intense longing after God and after his holiness. Prayer must be a flame. Its ardor must consume Prayer without fervor is as a sun without light or heat or as a flower without beauty or fragrance. A soul devoted to God is a fervent soul, and prayer is the creature of that flame. He only can truly pray. He was all aglow for holiness, for God, and for heaven. That, 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 that devotion to God, that, that relationship, that intimacy with him is the very thing that fuels the power of our intercession. And our intercession increases that ardor and that devotion to God. But as we get down, he says, 
How much more will your Father in heaven, this is Luke eleven thirteen, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I think as we're reading through that, you know, if you're like me, normally as you're reading through the, the guy knocking and the asking knock, you're thinking, you know, the good parking space, that it doesn't rain on the day that I want a parade, that my fantasy football quarterback doesn't get hurt this week. You know, real prayers, stuff that really matter. <laughs> but all of a sudden it says, give the Holy Spirit. You're like, wait, were we, have we been talking about the Holy Spirit? When did he, when did, when did he come into this? Like, that wasn't what we were talking about, is it? And then it makes me kind of want to, th- well, how far back, when, when did we start talking about the Holy Spirit here? <laughs> and I want to suggest that maybe all of this, we, we go back and read it again, and I think maybe this is the intent of just kind of slipping this in here at the end is, wait, I think I need to go read this again through that lens, through the vision of, Oh, this is, we're asking for the Holy Spirit. And what does that even mean to be asking for the Holy Spirit? Um, First of all, Andrew Murray says that the Father can bestow no higher or more wonderful gift than this, his own Holy Spirit. And the lesson that we have to learn today is that this first and chief gift of God must be the first and chief object of all prayer. This is the chief and first gift of God. Today, this very day, I want my soul to be convinced of the absolute truth that the best thing that the Father can give me is his Holy Spirit, is to fill me with himself, is to be in me in such abundance that he is overflowing. I, I think of there's lots of stuff I want. There's lots of stuff that is not right, that I wish were different, that I want to change, that I want him to do. But when it comes down to it, the absolute truth is the best thing he has to give me is the Holy Spirit. And he's saying that. And if we're convinced of it, then what if we go back and read these scriptures again, thinking this is the best thing that he has to give. And he's saying this about about that. Um, When we think about what does it mean for him to give us the Holy Spirit, um, this passage that we're reading is in Luke chapter 11. And I think that as you read, especially Luke and Acts, um, the, the Holy Spirit is overwhelmingly associated with an empowering for the work of God in the world. Um, I'm just going to throw out a, some examples here. Um, the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one born in you will be the Son of God. From the very beginning of the conception of Jesus, it was the work of the Holy Spirit that, that brought him into the world. Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He says in in 4.18 that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to to proclaim freedom for the captives and recover his sight for the blind. Um, He tells them that they're going to be witnesses of these things, but he says, "Don't, don't go out and try to do it yet. Wait until you receive the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Um, He tells them in Acts 1, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and you're going to be witnesses for me. Um, he talks about, again, in Acts 2, that they were all, at, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and people from different languages were hearing the goodness of God being proclaimed. Uh, Acts uh, 4, Peter, appearing before the leaders, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered them. 
Luke 4, they had, been, they, the, they had been beaten and sent away. And after they prayed, the place that they were praying, meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There was, so, I mean, obviously they had been filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, but they're filled with the Spirit again in Acts 4. So there's a continual filling of the Spirit. It's not like, you know, I, I spoke in tongues back in summer camp in 2005. So I think, you know, the Holy Spirit thing I can check off. It is a daily, continual need to be filled. It is, the, it is daily the gift, the best gift of the Father because it empowers me to do the thing that he has called me to do in this world, that God has put us here for a purpose, but we cannot fill We don't have it, what we need to fulfill the purpose. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, more and more, I'll just maybe, um, these will be on the, on the, I think, posted where the, the, the sermon is, sorry. What are you laughing at me for? Okay. Okay. I'm not insecure or anything. I'm just... So let's just go back quick and, and quickly look at these three pictures again. Um, the friend at midnight. And I don't want to, to stretch this parable too much beyond what was intended. But when I think about how much more would the Father give the Spirit to those who ask, and I see... We, the, the person in this parable, are confronted by a need that we do not have the capacity to meet. And so what do we do? We know, we know where the provision is. And we go to that place. And in that place, we don't take no for an answer. Because we have been confronted with a world in need. We have been confronted with a broken world that needs to be redeemed. We have been confronted with lost people who need to be saved. We have been confronted with the kingdom of darkness that needs to be overcome by the kingdom of Jesus. But we don't have the capacity. We don't have the bread. But if we go to him, if we go to him, he says, don't take no for an answer. When you're fighting for this, when you're fighting for what Jesus is wanting to do in the world around you, when you're fighting for your place of work and for your neighborhood and for your children and for your school, don't take no for an answer when it comes to asking for the work of the Holy Spirit because you need him. Because I have put you in a place that is dark. I've put you in a place that is in need, that is broken, and only you filled with the Holy Spirit can make, an, can make a difference there. You need him. So don't take no for an answer. You, Jesus is saying, this is, you don't only have my permission, but I'm long for you. I'm urging you, come to the Father like this. Don't let him say no. Continue, continue, continue until you have what you need to go out and, and minister life in the way that he wants you to. This, to me, is um, so encouraging. Because, again, you know, I can think of many things that I need and many things that I would like God to do. But the reality is, I can pray to God with this kind of fervency, with this kind of audacity, knowing that he wants me to, and that um, as I do that, he's going to respond. Like, he really is going to give me the Holy Spirit. He's going to give me what I need to, to meet these needs. 
but it's going to be tested. I don't know why it's tested. I don't know why, if it's just that God, he needs to know that we're hungry or whatever you know, explanation it might be. But sometimes it's going to feel like he's saying no. Sometimes it's going to feel like he's saying not now. Sometimes it's going to feel like I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, and it's not happening. But don't take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. Because the place that God is sending you is counting on you, you being there filled with the Holy Spirit. And then ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Again, this is a promise. What if there's something that you can pray for with that certainty that he will do it? That he will do it. God will give the Holy Spirit to us who ask him. But we, we do have to ask, we do have to seek, we do have to knock, and we have to keep on doing it over and over and over every day. Yesterday was great, but today I need to do it more. But he will do it. He will give it. It is a promise. It is a guarantee that as we seek him for the power to be his witness and his representative in the world, he will cause that to come to pass. And that is such an encouragement to me because most of the time, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't go out and do what he wants me to do. It's because I'm so focused on my my lack and like I'm, you know, I'm fearful, I'm weak, I don't, I don't know what words to say, I'm tired, whatever it is. But he's saying, I will give you the Holy Spirit. Like, I will give you the power, the person who will give you the words to say, who will give you the courage, who will give you the creativity. I'm, I'm giving you the one who will give you all that you need to go out and to do this thing that I'm calling you to do. But you just have to seek and ask and knock. As we're praying for people, we pray for people on the, the um, the Oikos map and, and people that are in our life that need Jesus. And I don't think that there's a guarantee anywhere that says that they're going to respond in a certain way. Um, but we do have a guarantee that as we pray, first of all, the Holy Spirit will fill me so that I can be whatever witness of Jesus they need me to be in order for them to have a chance to see the truth. And that's powerful. And not only that, but I can be praying the Holy Spirit's activity in their life. And I can be assured that the Holy Spirit will be at work bringing conviction, um, bringing, bringing revelation of the Father's love to them. So it is a powerful thing, and we're praying that, and we have this guarantee from heaven that he will give us the Spirit. And, and that, that in, in giving us the Spirit, he's giving us whatever we need to fulfill the thing that he's calling us to do in the life of this person or in this nation or in this city. Ask and it will be given. I love one of the things that we, we, we often get to do is, is in Uganda is we are um, working with people who are beginning to learn how to, to share the gospel and to go out and to tell people about Jesus. And it is, I mean, the, the very foundational thing, the first thing that we do is we say we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, there's methods and there's training and all these other things, but we want the power to bring transformation, and that comes in the Holy Spirit. I can think of, I'm thinking of this one, um, one person who, who felt like God spoke to them and said, I want you to, to share the gospel. But she was like, I, I tried, but I can't. Like, I, I, I literally can't do it. I don't know how. And through different means, as she prayed that, and she prayed like, yes, you've called me to share the gospel. You've called me to do something I can't do. He, he begins to equip her and begins to help her to do the thing 
that she couldn't do before. And there's just such a freedom in it. And we experience the same thing like, God, I can't do this. It's too, I, I'm too afraid. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too weak. I'm too whatever. And he says, just keep on seeking. Keep on, I'm guaranteeing you that the Holy Spirit will be what you need him to be in order to fulfill that thing. I'm guaranteeing it. And then again, the Father delights to give us the Holy Spirit. It's his delight. He doesn't run out. It's, it's never ending. And it's his long, if, we could, if we could look into his heart and what is he longing for in this moment, for you, there's probably multiple things, but there's none greater that you would be so surrendered to him and so hungry for him that he can just fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you with the Holy Spirit that would empower you to go out and to live a life of virtue and holiness and power, that would empower you to live a life of witness, that would empower you to proclaim his gospel, that would empower you to heal the sick, that would empower you to be the presence in a person's life that will help them to see and to respond to Jesus. This is, like he, this is what he has for us. This is what he's calling us to. This is the prayer that he desires. When I think of some of the prayers that Paul prayed in the, uh, or he asked people to pray for him, like in Ephesians and Colossians. He's like, pray for me that I would proclaim the gospel as I should. I just hear him saying now, pray for me that I have the Holy Spirit. I hear him, he says, pray for me that I will be courageous, um, that, I, that I will fearlessly proclaim the gospel. I hear, he's, I hear him saying, pray, pray that I be filled with the Holy Spirit because it is he who gives us all of those things that we can, we can be a witness for him. Uh, we get to be weak children coming to our Father. But we get to, to do that with confidence that he wants to do something through us and he is very capable and very desiring to give us that which we need in order to, to fulfill it. God absolutely loves the people that are in our world. He loves people who are broken. He, this, he, and his, his longing for me and you, I know, partially at least, essentially, is that we join with him in his work of bringing his kingdom wherever, wherever he might send us. And he's, he's telling us to go to him for the things that we need in order to do that to go with him regularly, to go with him often, to go with him with fervency, to go to him with, with audacity, to go to him to receive the bread that the world needs that they might experience the wonders of what we have in our Father. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that you're so good to us. Thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit. Thank you that each one of us in this room right now are called upon by you to partner with you in the work of your kingdom, in the work of your mission, in the work of your redemption. And that you delight to give us what we need to do that. So, Father, we pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. This day, this moment, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us, God, with your compassion. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your love. 
Fill us with your truth. Fill us with your holiness. Fill us with yourself. Fill us with the identity that you have given us as your children. The spirit of sonship. Fill us, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Okay, so we're going to immediately put this into practice, okay? So, Tim and Jill, you stand up. Um, to persevere in prayer for these guys. That was a very specific ask. I know. Who here feels like you could persevere in prayer beyond this morning in an ongoing way? Okay. Can you just guys stand up? Cameron's, Lon, Martin's. Okay. If there's anybody else that wants to. So I just feel like this is the Holy Spirit doing the work because he'll even empower the ability to want to continue to pray. I know that because there's people I'm persevering in prayer for that I, he gets tired less than I do. Make sense? Okay, so let's pray over the, the ways right now. Just pray your best prayer out loud that the Lord would fill them with the Holy Spirit and give them all that they need. Give them all that they need, Lord, beyond their highest asks. Give them even the asks to know what they are. Thank you that in you, you are the treasury of good things, Holy Spirit, and the giver of life. So we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One other people group I want to pray for. One of our elders, Tim Cameron, uh, just texted last night. He says, just, I feel this fervency to pray for our teachers going into the school district. And it just so happens we have Kristen, who's a teacher, that we're going to pray for. So is there teachers or administrators who are educators in the room? Could you stand up, please? So, yeah, I, I, I believe the Lord speaks through our elders. We all lead this church together, and it's really important. So if you're near them and you feel comfortable, just put, let's place hands on them and put a, just get around them real quick. And let's pray the same thing, that the Lord would empower them with the Holy Spirit as they go in to do their work, the work of the kingdom. We're just going to take a minute and do that. Just hop up quick. Don't be bashful. and just start praying for them. You don't have to ask them any questions. We, we know what they're doing. They're going to go educate our kids.
Lord, we agree together. We agree together and ask that the people among us in this role as teacher, administrator, you would fill them with wisdom. That they, as we send them out to continue in the work you've given them to do, they would be filled with strength by the power of your Holy Spirit. You would bless them with wisdom. They are the light of the world. Would they be in these places on purpose? You've set them to do their work. Would you empower them to do it? We bless them as your witnesses wherever they are. And we pray that many would come to know you as a result of their jobs, just their jobs that you've given them to do in our city or around the world, that many would see you through their teaching, through the wisdom as they administrate. Would you bless them and have mercy upon them? We ask you for an empowerment as they go forth into the new school year. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand together. We're going to finish with one more prayer. Did, did you guys feel that what I would just go ahead and call the prophetic nature of this message that Tim brought us? There's a really kind of an apostolic, you know, Tim has been sent out in that apostolic kind of oomph on it. I, I just feel so challenged, but I feel joyful about persisting in prayer, persisting in prayer. We don't have to understand it. We just get to obey Jesus. He's the smartest guy in the room, right? And so we get to do what Jesus says, just do this. Trust me. Trust me. And so if you're new to Believer's Church, one thing we've been doing is we call it oikos map. Oikos is the Greek word that basically means household. Just your sphere of relational influence. And we've been praying for people far from God that these very things that John 16, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So we don't have to do any of that stuff. We, we just do the very things Tim was talking about in praying. So let's bring to mind those people in our relational sphere that are far from God. Some of these guys you've been praying for a while. Some might be even new. They come into your mind, their faces. And, and we, as a church, have been every day at noon or just midday praying for these guys. But we're going to pray this prayer all together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Lord, will you give us the Holy Spirit to persist in prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friday night, the ways uh, here to talk about this stuff. We love you guys. Bless you.